G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, what a wonderful opportunity today to talk about what's normal in this very sexualized culture that we live in. The social media options are endless today. And at this time in our history, the influences on the social, moral and political values of young people is in hyperdrive. Lots of online content is sexualized content as children and young people can often override parental guidance and have access to universal information shaping worldviews and values, including issues around sexuality. Well, a new program is about to be launched to equip leaders to help youth ask questions about what's normal in this overly sexualized culture we live in. In a sexual revolution that's already here, the what's normal question is in the minds of young people grappling with this brave new world. Well, we were going to have two guests on the program with us this morning. Uh, One of those is not available now, and uh, that will be Cindy McGarvey. We'll catch up with Cindy at a later date. But a real pleasure to welcome to 2020 Paul Bedwell, who trained as a doctor, now serving as a pastor, at Hope Church in, in Helensburg, just south of Sydney. Now, Paul's life was transformed after calling out to God for help in a rehab unit. Uh, there's lots to Paul's story and looking forward to exploring that. But, Paul, a special welcome along to 2020. Yes, thank you, Neil. It is funny to hear all of that said. Yes, God has done a mighty thing. Praise him. We'll spend some time on your story. But when we talk about, uh, you know, what's normal, Paul, Uh, you've gotten caught up in uh, this wonderful opportunity to be able to uh, bring some insight for leaders who are dealing with young people. Uh, What's your role in in the whole thing? Are you connected there with Youth for Christ? Where do you fit into the whole picture? Sure, yes. I wear a few hats. I have the privilege of teaching scripture in our public high schools. Yes, that still happens and it's alive and well and uh, and we're making uh, inroads there every day, which is which is wonderful. I'm a youth and children's pastor at our church in uh, in the south of Sydney, and we've uh, actually opened up a youth centre, not strictly for uh, for Christian youth, but for actually our whole community. So we saw the closure of our our local government funded youth centre as an opportunity to bring something of the kingdom to our little area, and uh, and setting up that youth centre has been. It's just been wonderful. Um, I also work at Youth for Christ and I lead a ministry called, as you've said, What's Normal? Uh, What's Normal, I didn't start What's Normal. What's Normal was started by a a woman by the name of Laura Pinter uh, and she just began empowering young people to challenge the norms of culture, challenge the sexualized um, language and behavior and decide for themselves really what they wanted to live through. Um, I inherited that program and uh, really had a, um, a very specific idea. Um, I wanted to take this uh, this program and and multiply it. Basically, instead of 
being the guy that goes into every school, we decided to create a video-based curriculum. Uh, we've made a 10-week curriculum, and that curriculum can be used by any youth group or Christian school or government school if they want uh, to take people on the journey uh, out of influenced by the sexualized culture that we're in and into a life of freedom in Christ. And so here we are, we've got a 10 week program. We've had great speakers come along. Uh, Alan Meyer has contributed significantly. He's the author of Valiant Man and just a wonderful statesman in this area. And many experts from around the country have contributed. So we feel that we're uh, doing our little bit to help fight the tide of hypersexualization. Special honour to you because you're really at the crux of the issue, aren't you? Because while everything seems to be changing around us, uh, while we'll often talk about a sexual revolution on this program and uh, more broadly a cultural revolution across a whole lot of issues, then for someone to say what's normal, uh, even to pose that question, and you're going to put forward your own response to what's normal, well, special honour to you and uh, to everyone at Youth for Christ uh, and uh, get this program up and going because this is a question that young people are asking. Now, as you say, you're teaching Scripture in public high schools. And uh, no doubt you've got to tread very lightly around a whole lot of topics that kids might be talking about. But are they asking this sort of question, what's normal? What are your thoughts here, Paul? Yeah, so I do have to separate those two worlds out uh, because of the various um, the ways that we operate with the New South Wales Department of Education. So I, I teach strictly to a curriculum uh, in public schools. And, and what's normal is not related to school scripture. It's a program predominantly for anyone who wants to use it, but it's not an authorised curriculum. That said, I spend a lot of time, most of my time, with young people. And I'll tell you this, uh, young people are much more discerning than I was. So you might get this impression, yes, but mass media bombardment means that they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, I want to talk about a generation that's not drinking the Kool-Aid, to be honest. I hold a lot of hope. it's interesting to see some of the things that have shifted so rapidly in our culture. And now schools, according to their curricula, are teaching things that we would have thought were crazy 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and now being taught. But I do see a rising tide of students who are saying, well, you might be saying that, but I don't necessarily believe that. And I think it lands in favour of the gospel. I think there's a real discernment. Just because there's a policy from someone saying, I've got to think this way, there's actually a reaction to that in young people to say, I don't, I don't think that, and I'm going to figure this out for myself. And for those who are sincere and, and searching for truth, uh, a presentation of the Bible, you know, a presentation of hard facts, you know, not just what I feel like, but a, a something you can cling to, you know, an eternal truth, a, a millennia's old truth, is actually becoming more and more appealing. Uh, that's from a philosophical perspective. Can I just share? from a a personal uh, perspective, and it's a bit more sad, to be honest. I wish I never had to talk about these things. But some of our girls, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls, are saying, I wish the boys, and it's not just boys, but this is one comment, I wish the boys would stop watching pornography because I'm so sick of all the jokes. I'm so sick of not feeling safe. Because all the boys watching porn all think it's totally okay from what they've watched to say these things to me. I mean, I'm hearing kids who have just run out of a classroom because of an innuendo made in their direction. 
and a sexual innuendo, and they've had to leave the classroom and ultimately left the school because they felt so demeaned by those comments. So there's many people rising up and saying it's just not okay to grow up watching videos of other people having violent sex. Can I put it that bluntly? That is absolutely fine to talk about on this program and uh, putting it bluntly is good because when we talk about pornography and uh, let's talk you know as you are saying more specifically young boys who are being exposed to pornography and of course pornography is addictive so they feel as though they can't just easily stop but what's happening with this exposure and this addiction to pornography is a whole shaping of their idea about sexuality and so that takes you off on a tangent that isn't normal. So is that a fair way of describing the way that young people are, when they're exposed to pornography, they're off on a tangent? Uh, Neil, it's more than just abnormal. Can I say it's pernicious and it's deadly? Uh, you know, there's, there's a great group out of the United States uh, called Fight the New Drug, and they've got a very clever approach. I'm not entirely sure of their origins, but... Uh, they essentially take secular, scientific and medical staff to speak about the research data in relation to the harms of pornography. Now, you and I have spiritual, ethical uh, concerns. Uh, we have biblical concerns about the plague of pornography. In fact, you know, a study of the New Testament would have revealed that we could see it coming in some ways. Uh, but regardless, apart from that, Watching pornography from a young age creates in a young person, men or women, it's not just a boy issue, although it predominates in, in males, creates the sort of brain that you cannot live with for years to come. Creates the sort of addictive process that depletes you of pleasure centers in the brain, makes you incapable of forming and maintaining normal, healthy relationships with other people, it makes you incapable of experiencing the gentle pleasures that life brings. It makes you incapable of waiting for prolonged pleasure. It makes you incapable of a real relationship with a, with a real woman, real person of the opposite sex. It leads to an increase in suicide. It leads to an increase in depression. It leads to an increase in violence and it leads to an increase in sexual dysfunction. The people who are watching pornography, who are raised on pornography, cannot perform sexually because they've seen such radical images. And, and we know what you see, you can't unsee. Now, we don't lose hope. There is hope for all people through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's capable to redeem. But I tell you what, there's going to need to be a lot of redemption as we continue to allow 11-year-olds 12-year-olds, to form their idea of sex and relationships based on R-rated violent pornography. Can I, just some, some information. This is in 2017, Australian data. 87% of 15 to 29-year-olds, 20, 20, nearly 90% have viewed pornography. The mean age for boys in 2017 was 13 years old. Now, I would say it has moved significantly since then. If Australian data looks like the data in other countries, we're probably talking about 90 to 95% of 11 and 12-year-old boys have had their first sexual education from violent R-rated pornography. 
And my suspicion is here, let's not make a differentiation between those kids that are in church and those kids that are not in church because kids who are in church have equal access to the sorts of technology and uh, equal curiosity as to the pursuit of uh, seeing those things that seem to be, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, seem to be off limits, uh, but uh, they'll pursue those too. So when we talk about Christian kids in the mix here, what are your perspectives here, Paul? Yeah, so um, there was a point in time when the direction of this ministry was looking to do we want to minister to the general population, to high school, public high schools and everyone, and and uh, under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe we were led to focus on the Christian community. Uh, the reason why is very simple. We don't believe, I, I don't know how people get free from addiction to pornography without a personal in, uh, deliverance from the Lord Jesus, without a, a relationship with Jesus. So we're focused in this ministry. We'll move out potentially down the future, in the future down the road. We're focused on people who follow Jesus. And in my question to your average senior minister who might be listening, talk to your youth pastors, your youth ministers, and ask them to have a frank and judgment-free and open discussion with the people. I'm not talking about the people who come to their youth groups. I'm talking about the people who serve in their youth groups. Have an open conversation with them and invite them to speak freely in a safe place about where they're at with pornography, because I think you'll find, like everybody's finding, those we assumed were untouched, those we assumed who loved their Bible and who served faithfully and were always in church may just have an issue here. And we need that's why we're doing this program. We're not coming in judgment. I tell you what, I'm glad I wasn't a teenager with an iPhone. I can say that much. So it's no judgment on the kids who are in this. This is a battle that we are in together. This is a battle that we need to bring things into the light through. And this is a battle where we really need to come to the word of God and to the power of God and in prayer, but just call it what it is. Hey, we need help here. Let's come together and do this. That's the heart behind the program. That's why we're doing what we do. And you're asking this question, what's normal? And I can hear there's an upside. I actually detect uh, that there's some optimism here because all is not lost if you have teenagers making an assessment around what's normal when you present these things at such an intimate and deep level around sex and sexuality, you're also inviting the opportunity to ask what's normal when it comes to truth aspects for their entire lives. So if you can discover that there's something abnormal about this sexualized culture, and you can discover what is normal, you will actually be on a very, very good foundation for uh, for growing strong into the future. Any thoughts here around optimism and upside in all of this? Absolutely. I wouldn't be in it if we weren't going to win it. Uh, I believe, you know, just share a quick story. Uh, you have to think things through as you come about a program like this because you'll come across people in your youth group who you say, well, pornography is a problem, and they'll look at you and they'll say, what's pornography? And they've lived in such a light, they've been raised in such a way that it's never crossed their mind to look at something, to look at videos of people without clothes on. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a, you know, I said at the start, I wish I never had to have these conversations. And you wish you didn't have to have these conversations around those people. But here's the, here's the thing that we're seeing. We're seeing this as an opportunity for those who have either never had a problem with pornography, with lust, 
or for those who have had a problem and they've experienced freedom through Christ, uh, for those people to see this as a missionary opportunity into their world. Because there will be people who don't know that they're looking for Christ, but they will find themselves in a place where they're unable to sustain relationships because the extent of damage that's come from their pornography use. And when you say that there is, you paint the, the picture of the truth, let me tell you about a man who showed us a different way, who told us about a love that's so pure, a love of one where life would not be about what I can get from my husband or wife, but what I can give, that life would be so about sacrifice, so about love for other people that you, you paint that picture and people begin to get hungry for what you have. They say, that's so different to what I've seen. We, sh we get to show people what healthy family looks like. Uh, I often use, I've got a beautiful 18-month-old daughter and my wife's pregnant. And my wife and I, we get to model what it looks like to live healthy. And I tell you, Christianity's never looked so good to these young hearts who are in their schools and they're seeing the perversion. They're seeing the degradation and they're saying, I don't want this. And we come and present a pure gospel and a life in Christ of humility and selflessness. And it just looks good. So, I Paul, share your is this program available right now? If I say to listeners, we're talking about what's normal, uh, the yfc.org.au website, uh, Youth for Christ. Uh, is this program available for people to access, register? Uh, how do you do this? Do you subscribe? Uh, how do you get this into your youth group uh, You know, uh, as soon as possible? Is it available right now? Yes. Great question. We're, very, uh, we're a few weeks away from launching. So on the 31st of this month, March, we're having a launch breakfast uh, down near where I live in Wollongong at Awaken Church from 6.30 a.m. till 8.30 a.m., uh, after the launch, the program will be freely available uh, on our uh, website, uh, which will be yfc.org.au. You can check out the launch event, which will be live streamed. So yfc.org.au forward slash WN launch is the place to look for tickets to that launch. We'll introduce a live stream for that launch. So you can, if you're not in the Wollongong area, you can check it out. And after that, we'll make the program uh, available. It'll be um, $19 for your church or youth group free if you're an individual who wants to run it as through your family and, and we encourage that uh and then for uh, for a christian school who wants to run it, it'll be a, a different price which you can well, check out there we'll, we'll come back and we'll give those details again at the end of our conversation it's news time paul we're going to take some calls in just a few moments but I know that calls won't, uh, the callers won't mind uh, just waiting for a few moments. So 1-800-316-316. Paul, just take us into your story here uh, briefly and uh, give us some insight into the dramatic change that came when you called out for help from God. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Uh, and my story, honestly, is, is God's story. Uh, I grew up in a beautiful home and... Uh, didn't see signs of anything being amiss, but I developed an anxiety problem at quite young. They found out that I was bright and they sort of moved me forward in school a year. And uh, But I got treated for this anxiety issue. I then got on with life throughout my teen years, playing lots of sport and studying quite well and just generally loving what I did. But the anxiety thing never really left. And then after getting into a medical science degree and then finally medicine, it increased. I felt more and more angsty, like 
something just wasn't right. And I had a consciousness of God, but I certainly wasn't living for him. And to be honest, I don't think I knew how to. Uh, and eventually the anxiety uh, escalated as I began work as a doctor and I just had no way of coping, turned to alcohol, turned to drugs and was a mess. Uh, in a rehab of all places, uh, I, I was at a point of desperation and I had tried every kind of thing that you could try. You know, I'm, I'm medically trained, so I know about all the therapies and the different medicines you can take, and none of them really worked. And so in desperation, I cried out to God and said, I just really need your help. Now, things didn't instantly, you know, it wasn't a thunderbolt from, from the Lord and I just got zapped and I was healed. There was a process involved and uh, that process went on for many years. But what shifted as I, as I turned to the Lord was that hope began to rise up on the inside. By the time I, I got to rehab, I'd lost hope. I'd tried every other thing to get well. Uh, but hope just hit my heart that maybe one day I could get well and, and that God was real. And if God was real then I had to shift everything about the way I thought. And so I, in a moment of just total surrender, I said, God, if you want this little life, this broken life, you can have it. And, well, he, he took it. <laughs> Since then I got better and better and better. I um, actually reached a very funny point. I was offered a medical job as a, a hospital job in Perth, and uh, I felt that this was the most natural thing to do. You know, you study for eight years. <laughs> to become a doctor I thought I'll be a missionary doctor uh, but the Lord had other plans in my devotional life I uh, just began coming across scripture after scripture where God was seeming to say to me to stay and look after this little flock and uh, eventually he made it very clear to me uh, that I needed to stay and I was in unpaid youth ministry at the time and I bit the bullet and I stayed and I haven't looked back since. And uh, now I know it's the right decision. And Paul, this is only something like eight years ago. And uh, yeah, so it's it's recent. And you say that you were pretty well unrecognizable. So discovering normal for you actually started with calling out to God and with his uh, relational interventions into your life, you can actually then discern uh, what's normal. And so we're, while we're talking a lot about sexuality today, there's a whole lot of dimensions to our lives. It starts with uh, the God who is our creator. There's an old expression, you know, uh, uh, when you're in doubt, go to the manufacturer's instructions. So you've got the, you've got the, the instructions that come from the creator about what's normal. Just very quickly, because we'll take a call in a moment, but, uh, but around discerning what's normal and the manufacturer's instructions, any thoughts here? Yes, what a great way to put it. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> more than his instructions, his very presence is found uh, in his word. I, I love that. But, uh, you know, my life's not it's, not, it's not remarkable. You know, I just lived out Ecclesiastes, to be honest. You know, you can look at drug addiction, pornography addiction, lust, hypersexuality, whatever it is. To be honest, they are just the noticeable forms of idolatry. But before I landed on the noticeable forms of idolatry, my life was consumed by the less noticeable forms, which were equally idolatry. First of all, it was career. When I, get, when I become a doctor, then I'll be okay. Before that, it was a girl. You know, when I have a pretty girlfriend, then things will be all right. Before that, it was approval from peers. You know, there's many forms of socially acceptable idolatry. And to be honest, I'm blessed that I pursued those 
and found them wanting very young. By, by such a young age, I realized there was nothing in them for me and there had to be something more. And of course, that's the message in Ecclesiastes, the fear of the Lord. <laughs> uh, can I just say that relates deeply to our, our message in pornography. Although there's this awful thing, this awful exposure on the earth, what I see, I mean, I'm around young people all the time, what I see is hearts that are getting hungry for something more very early on. 30 years ago, you maybe wanted to pursue sexuality and you'd have to wait until you were of age. You'd have to wait until there was opportunity. Now everything is at your fingertips. I can have it all now and people are learning younger and younger that it's meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's hevel. It's vapor. And when people realize that, they actually, many of them, well, tragically, many of them suicide. But on the flip side of that, many realize that there has to be something more and that that something more is found only in the spiritual dimension, found in the person we know of Jesus Christ. We're talking what's normal. Let's take a call. Sue is in Kingston in Tasmania. Hello, Sue. Welcome. Oh, hello, Neil. Thank you very much. What and um, Hello to Paul. Look, um, the conversations today have been wonderful with Wendy Francis and now with, um, with Paul. Paul. But yep. I've, I've been finding, uh, increasingly I've been com- becoming uh, depressed about the whole state of affairs of society and not least of all with pornography and with grandchildren coming through and who are so vulnerable to what's happening with social media and that. But I have to say, after listening to Paul and your conversation now, I'm so encouraged because I think it's all too easy to fall into a pit of despair because we may not have the networks around us to encourage us. And where you were speaking earlier about people being in cocoons so they don't know anything about pornography or these issues. Unfortunately, my life's led me through a journey where I've been impacted shockingly, but it's increased my passion to have Jesus known. And when Paul was mentioning Ecclesiastes, look, that is just awesome because chapters 11 and 12 I've been studying and pondering more in recent days in line with um, 1 Corinthians 6, which it tells us to flee all sexual immorality. And so I'm just so encouraged. And I would have to say, Neil, if you don't mind me saying, I would disagree with Wendy Francis. She does a wonderful, wonderful job, as do all of those associated with the ACL. But it's vital that we are informed. And what happened with the uh, insulting of Jesus was shocking. I only saw it the following night when... Charlie Pickering, a comedian, was talking about it and embellishing on it in a disgusting manner on the ABC. And to be quite honest, I was horrified. Yeah, look, so that's uh, you're absolutely right there, Sue, uh, insofar as 
uh, when these things happen, uh, when someone complains or a whole host of people did uh, on that uh, that episode of the project, uh, but it's interesting, isn't it, uh, that when there are other comedians then who see there's another laugh to be had uh, from something so blasphemous, that uh, is a challenging thing for us. And, of course, this flows on into the what's normal because... When you have, uh, and I'm not sure if you're even aware of this, uh, Paul, uh, there was a very blasphemous joke told about Jesus and about sexuality, and uh, we've even refused to even say uh, what that's all about uh, on this program and uh, not even encourage listeners to try and find out. But this flows flows on from the sexualization of a society. Uh, When you've got all of these varieties of sexualities that people can pick and choose, uh, these things lead people in a very destructive path. What are your thoughts for Sue from Kingston, Paul? Sure. And thanks, Sue. Thanks for the encouragement. And I'm with you. I I think we all need to uh, look to the hope set before us. Uh, rather than emphasise the issues and the problems. There's no doubt it's a, it's a huge issue. Um, can I just share just a, a verse from uh, Luke, Luke's uh, chapter 7? It's about the woman when Jesus says, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. Um, I'm seeing that story played out a lot. When you share the gospel with somebody, you share our need for forgiveness. Now, in a world with... Uh, with no ethical um, hard line, with no ethical standard, very, very many young people that we speak to, then they have no desire for forgiveness. They have no contriteness of heart because they believe that everything they're doing is totally okay. But when someone's confronted with uh, a pure version of sexuality, when we talk about what we think of sexual uh, sexuality for, when we're not afraid to talk about the positive aspects of sex, how we see it. We talk about a man and a woman falling in love and resisting their urges early on because they want to tell their partner, all that I am is yours and I'm yours and yours alone. People begin to fall in love with the truth and people are confronted with the reality that where they're living is nothing like that. And all of a sudden it presents the gospel in a new and and beautiful way. Wow, I'm seeing something better than what I have. I'm seeing something beautiful. I'm seeing something in the way you're speaking that I recognize I don't have. You know, you can't manufacture peace. The world can try all at once. It can't manufacture peace. It can't manufacture joy, true joy. It can distract people with flashy things and and shows and, and a relentless stream of distraction. But true peace, true love, selfless love, you can't fake that. And when young people see it, they can tell that it's real. And I believe many people are actually seeing that they need forgiveness when they get a picture, a contrast between biblical love, biblical sexuality, self-sacrifice in marriage, comparing that to the abusive and degrading nature of what the world presents. It's actually quite a good picture for those who are coming to the Lord. Obviously, for those who have uh, whose hearts are not stirred for him and have no interest in Jesus, uh, of course, they're going to say we're whatever, a million things, a million names under the sun. But to be honest, I'm, we, we, made a, we made a very clear decision about the lane that we wanted to run in. Um, we do not have an interest in telling people how to live their sexuality if they're not desiring to be followers of Jesus. 
I'm talking to, this is our lane. I recognize there are other lanes. We're talking about people who want to follow Jesus and we can help you with that. If you're not following him, your sexuality in our, in our little lane, that's your business. But if you want to know about the gospel, if you want to know a different way of living, we'd be glad to tell you. And we're actually seeing many people come to him. I often say we can't tell adults what to do, uh, but we can advocate uh, for some safety issues around children and our young people. Sue in Kingston, thank you so much for a great contribution today. And uh, for your response there, let's just pick up on this for a moment, because when we talk about a contrast, what we're talking about here is Good news. Uh, It's good news because people quickly discover that they are captivated by uh, issues around pornography and they get drawn into some circles uh, that will reinforce different uh, sexualities. The contrast of what is good and pure and right, uh, when you do present that, there is an appeal. Some people think that uh, there's not an appeal, but there's a real appeal in actually having your head together and having your sexuality intact and knowing what's normal, Paul. Mm, that's exactly right. The, the beauty of God's ways. You know, I, I don't want to get stuck thinking about the degradation of Satan's influence. It's awful. We know that. <laughs> but when we get genuinely excited and sincere about the goodness of God, about the way that he designed sex, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I show people, when I teach young people, I show them a photo of my daughter. And I just walk them through the story. I say, my wife has only had me and I get to love her and we get to she gets the safety of knowing that I'm never going to be with anybody else she we can grow up together we can learn from one another in a, in a psychological maturity in an emotional maturity because I know that when I go to bed regardless of what we fought about regardless of what we grappled with as a couple our learnings together I'm safe because tonight I go to bed and she'll be my wife and I'll be her husband. I'll wake up tomorrow and we're together. We can get deep with each other. We can grapple. We can expose our true self and let them speak into it and be vulnerable. That sort of safety is beautiful to young people because they would very much recognize, wow, if they've, if they've done sex apart from God's plan, apart from the biblical way, they've realized the hurt. And the pain that comes from having someone where you re- you gave of them your most intimate self only to have them trample that and then go grab somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. It's painful to the heart. It's painful to the soul. And, and more than any of that, people feel unsafe in that place and their hearts get hardened. You know, when you explain the real design that God has behind sex and sexuality, it is utterly beautiful. And I think we should talk more about that with with young people. For parents out there, sorry, this is a bit of a side note, Neil. Um, This What's Normal program, to be honest, it's the beginning of a conversation. It's not the end. We hope it's the beginning of a lifelong conversation where parents would be uh, talking to their kids, where peers and and youth leaders and and churches would be talking talking openly about sex and sexuality and God's good design in all of that because – As we open dialogue and channels to say that sex isn't bad, it's good, God designed it, we wouldn't be here without it, all of a sudden people can can really journey through the questions that they have and fall more in love with Jesus rather than feel like Christianity is the 
is the boring way out. It's not. Christians having healthy sex and a healthy marriage are blessed, <laughs> if I can go that far. That's right. And uh, sometimes we'll think of that as adults. But if you talk about this in the context of a marriage uh, between a man and a woman where he's committed to her and she's committed to him, together they are committed to their children and raising that family, it's, it's a beautiful thing in marriage, and sometimes uh, I'm drawn into a conversation like this uh, where I'll uh, share the thought that when your spouse becomes the sole focus of your sexual attention, uh, you try and block out all of those influences that come. So you have this beautiful story in marriage where it becomes a little more confusing, and I guess it becomes an aspiration, is uh, for those young people who are in those you know, sexuality formative years to aspire to the sorts of things you're talking about there, Paul. I wonder if you've got a thought around that because sometimes you can easily contain these things when you're in marriage because you can make one another your sole sexual focus. But for young people, they don't necessarily have that relationship yet. It's an aspiration. Yes, and here we see the beauty of God's ways. I'm not convincing anyone probably listening. God's ways are beautiful. See, we live in a generation of instant gratification, of right now, of give me it all right now. I've got it at my fingertips. I don't need to wait. But that's not the time frame of God. That's not the way things work with God. With the Lord, patience is a virtue. It's a fruit. We have a thing that we're aspiring to. And can I, can I say we actually get to teach young people the value of committing to something where your gratification is delayed to fight to contend for sexual purity. Therefore, on the night of your wedding and the, the minister says, you may now lift the veil and you may kiss the bride. There's something so beautiful. You can give them this thing called my purity and it's worth fighting for and it's not easy. It takes time. It takes deliberate decisions that you make before the heat of the moment. And all of these things are actually wonderful principles in God. You know, we, we live in a kingdom that some of it's now, but much of it's then. We have to wait in hope. And hope hope is the word, the Greek word, is the expectation of what is certain. Hope means I'm believing for something I don't yet have. We actually get to teach young people the beauty of hope and delayed gratification and what that means that you can give something of value to your spouse by not just diving right in and me, 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 and now, now, now. I think it's a wonderful teaching opportunity. Okay, time's running short. Let's squeeze in one more call. Wayne is in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Wayne. Need to be quick, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, mate, I come out of a 22-year drug addiction um, in 1992, and um, I just see how God works differently with people too for whatever reason he knows. I mean, I, I was into the heroin, the morphine, the coke, and I started off like a lot of people on on uh, pot, and that was me stepping stone to all them other ones that I end up getting into but when I became a born again Christian he all them uh, withdrawal symptoms that I should have gone through and maybe gone into rehabs and that he took all them away and um, I had a disease there was no cure for a liver disease which was involved in that and I got completely healed of that as well but um, you know it's it's just wanting to get out there and help people and God will bring them through differently um, than what he did with me for whatever reason he's got. But um, 
Wayne, I appreciate you calling in with that testimony. Uh, It's a powerful testimony. Uh, There's some similarities uh, with what Paul has been sharing in his own testimony uh, in that moment of desperation, crying out to God, and he meets you in that. And uh, those symptoms become alleviated around addictions. And whether we're talking about drug addictions or porn addictions and issues around uh, relational addictions that come with certain levels of sexuality, uh, these things become very important. Shorter time, I'll just take uh, that as a comment. Thank you so much, Wayne, because we've got to tie our, our conversation up here. I think you mentioned... Uh, We're about three weeks away from the launch of this new program that asks this critical question, what's normal, and provides real answers for young people. Uh, Paul, you mentioned there's like a $19 charge. Uh, That's not a big charge to get this going in your youth group. Uh, So for three weeks away, can people register now to actually get a hold of that, or do you just have to uh, hold off and and make a note in your diary today? How how do uh, do you get people to sign up? Yes, well, we would encourage anyone in Greater Sydney or the Wollongong areas to come along to the launch event. Uh, the launch event has got some, some key speakers from around uh, the country in this area, but more than that, uh, we're going to showcase some of the material and there'll be young people at the event as well. So it's, it's going to be held on the 31st of this month in, at Awaken Church, which is at 39 Elm Street in Wollongong. You can buy tickets online at yfc.org.au forward slash WN launch. After the launch, the material will all be available at yfc.org.au, the Youth for Christ website. And as I mentioned, and you've said, free for people who want to use it as an individual, $19 for youth groups, and there's a a $450 charge for private schools, uh, Christian schools who want to run that as a series of seminars in their schools. And there's even the opportunity to have YFC, Youth for Christ missionaries come in and teach the content. The point is this, we want to make it available, but we're, we're charging because we want to make more content. Uh, we believe there's many issues in sexuality to discuss. We believe this is the start of a conversation. and we, we believe we need to have many more conversations with many more people, and we'd love to create more content to do that, to equip youth groups, equip schools to have these conversations. And, of course, our conversation today, just a taste of what might be a part of that program. And uh, as you can hear, our special guest, Paul Bedwell, is so able to articulate these issues around what's normal and to expose your teenagers, uh, to expose your youth group to those truths is going to be a very, very powerful program. Paul Bedwell, trained as a doctor, now serving as a pastor at Hope Church in Helensborough, just south of Sydney, Paul, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us. That website, one more time, is yfc.org.au. There'll be a link there, WN Launch, happening on the 31st of March. Paul, thanks so much for giving us uh, your insights today on 2020. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 